This week on Bible Babble, you'll learn that the next time you get hit in the head with something, you might want to look up. It could be a piece of bread falling from heaven. Also, if you're ever really thirsty on a hike in the desert, try striking a rock with a big stick. This is a podcast where I tell stories from the Bible in plain English. The purpose of this podcast is to share some of the fascinating and really crazy things that happen in what is still the world's most popular book. This is not a religious podcast, and in fact, I really don't spend much time on the religious principles behind these stories. Instead, I want to leave any interpretation of these stories up to you. I hope you enjoy. Episode 2A, The Exit is That Way, from Exodus 14 through 20. The story we're about to go through is perhaps one of the most significant series of events in Judaism. It's the story of the flight of the Jewish people from Egypt, commonly known as the Exodus, which is taken from the Greek noun exodos, meaning going out or departure. And yes, that is where we get the word exit from in our common vernacular. Just as a disclaimer, we're diving right into the middle of a lot of drama going on with the Hebrews at this time, and there will be many episodes on the events that led up to the Exodus, so I don't want to give too much away right now. Just know that at this time, the Hebrews have been slaves in the land of Egypt, yes, that Egypt, for between 150 to 430 years, depending on who you ask. Sources vary on those years. A man named Moses who will also be the subject of many future episodes, was sent by God to free the Hebrews from slavery and lead them to the promised land of Canaan. We meet up with Moses, his brother Aaron, and his sister Miriam, who are facing a little bit of a dilemma to say the least. Miriam sighed. They'd come so close to freedom, and now there was nowhere to go. They were trapped like sitting ducks. Her brother Moses had fought for weeks before the Pharaoh to earn their freedom, and when he had finally told Moses to just take the Hebrews and go, she thought it was the start of a new adventure, a new life in the land God had promised his people so many years ago. But now, as Miriam and thousands of her people looked ahead, all they saw was a huge body of water, the Red Sea. Behind them, There were hundreds of Egyptian warriors on horseback and chariots riding towards them. And they were coming fast. Miriam knew what was going to happen. She'd lived her entire life as a slave in Egypt. She knew the punishment for disobeying a master. But even she couldn't imagine what the punishment would be for this. Would they kill their firstborn sons first? As retribution for what the angel of death had done? The men... They would return to slavery, and the women? Well, Miriam really didn't want to think what would happen to her and her friends when they returned to Egypt. She shuddered at the thought. She pushed her way towards the front of the crowd and saw her brother standing on the edge of the water. He was silent. Moses, she shouted, but her voice was drowned out by the sounds all around them. She turned around again, and over the tops of the dark-haired heads of the crowds, she could see the massive cloud of dust as it rapidly approached. She couldn't make out how many Egyptians were coming towards them, but she gathered it would be enough to easily overcome them. 
After all, they hadn't brought swords or clubs with them when they fled. I mean, they hadn't even had time to let the bread rise. They didn't know what future God had planned for them when they left. All they knew was that they were being led by his messenger Moses, the man who now stoically stood with his feet in the water. Miriam turned towards her brother and again began to shout, but before she could, a huge dark cloud covered the sky. A lightning bolt sprang down into the sea, and the people crouched in fear and became silent. The man in the water stepped forward, allowing the cold water to lapse around his knees. With one motion, he raised his staff high above his head and slammed it like a spike into the ground. Think Gandalf from Lord of the Rings here. As soon as the staff touched the earth, the water shot out from beneath it. It was as if two positive ends of a magnet had attempted to connect, and... Yes, I know that no one knew what magnets were at this point, but you get the picture. The water began to pull back and farther away from Moses, and within a moment, the water had been split back on both sides, creating a tunnel filled with raging water on each side. Moses turned and looked at them. Miriam stood with her mouth hanging open, and the people around her were frozen. Well, come on, Moses shouted as he turned and began to walk through the wall of water where the great sea had once stood. Moses had just parted the Red Sea. Miriam was the first to make her way into the water. The ground sank beneath her as she stepped, and the thick, mossy green weeds covering the sandy earth grabbed her feet. As she walked, she could feel the strong mist wisping across her face, and she looked up at the massive wall of water. She paused and reached out her hand to touch the water, but Moses had turned and was watching her now. No his eyes seemed to say, and she pulled back instinctively. As she did, a massive animal swam by, the large fin flipping out just slightly and spraying her face. Miriam wiped her face and walked faster. Behind her, the people were pouring in now, and the crowd began to move even faster. But she could still see the dust rising from Egypt, and she knew they needed to move more quickly. It took about an hour and a half for her to get across the sea completely, but she was one of the first. Behind her, she watched as thousands of people kept pouring out like fish when a net was broken. She could no longer see the cloud from Egypt. She was too far ahead and the water was too high. Moses, they need to hurry up, she said to her brother. He nodded and told her somewhat less than assuringly that it would be all right. A few more hours passed and still they came. Miriam was getting anxious now. "'Moses,' she said again, but her brother ignored her and simply stood watching the fish pour out from the net. Six hours had passed, and Miriam had bitten off all of her nails by the time the last family finished dragging their poor donkey through the sea. Apparently, the animal had fought the entire way and was more than happy to finally be out of the tunneled nightmare he had endured. Then, over the sound of the pushed-back roaring sea, she heard it. At first it was faint— she looked down at a puddle that her feet had made from pacing back and forth over the past six hours. It was rumbling. The earth was shaking. She looked down at the tunnel, where their safety had previously been assured. At the end, she saw horses. Hundreds of them poured into the crevice between the waters, and they were shouting for the Hebrews' blood. Moses! Miriam yelled. Her brother Aaron came up beside her and placed his arm around her. God will deliver us, he said. She said, no offense, but I've kind of been hearing that my whole life. Her brother just shook his head. 
Moses stepped out onto a large rock that overlooked the sea. He turned around once more to ensure everyone was away from the water before stepping down, walking to the edge of where the water had been, and slamming his staff deep into the ground once more. As his staff touched the ground, the waters came rushing down, destroying all manner of life within it. As the water settled, it was filled with the carcasses of horses and their riders. The Hebrews were finally free. Miriam's stomach growled. It had been five years since Moses had parted the Red Sea and led them out of Egypt to what they thought would be the Promised Land. But all they'd seen since they left was sand and sun. The Hebrews were dropping like flies. They'd run out of provisions weeks ago, and the animals were too weak to pull the carts where the elderly now sat, who were also too weak to walk the day's distances. All around her voices echoed in misery but one word was repeating itself a lot throughout the crowd. Moses. The people blamed Moses for bringing them into this God-forbidden wasteland. Things had been better when they were in Egypt. They had food, they had water, they had shelter, and so they got occasionally whipped and beaten if they weren't working fast enough. But hey, at least it was consistent. I mean, Pharaoh had provided for them. Pharaoh had protected them. They should have never left. They should turn back. Maybe if they slaughtered the livestock, they could make it back with minimal casualties. Miriam searched the tent for her brothers. She needed to find Moses tonight. Judging by the way the Israelites were talking, tomorrow may be too late. Aaron, she said, entering the largest tent in the center of the camp, where is Moses? Aaron told her he was off praying and that he should be back soon. She told Aaron what the people were saying that they wanted to turn back to Egypt, and that they blamed Moses for bringing them to the brink of death. Aaron looked concerned, and he stroked his long black and gray beard. He was worried. He'd heard the rumors that the people were turning against Moses, even before Miriam had come to him tonight. If the people truly did turn on him, there would be nothing Aaron and Miriam could do. I mean, after all, they were two people standing against thousands. And who knows? Maybe they would come for Aaron and his sister, too. Miriam looked at Aaron. This was bad. This was really, really bad. She heard a noise from behind her and saw Moses walk in, his long staff clenched in his right hand. Aaron approached his brother. I have some news, he said. Yes, Moses replied, walking closely to the fire and warming his hands. The people are complaining and they want to go back to Egypt and you're afraid they're going to kill me. Aaron and Miriam exchanged a look. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's basically it, Aaron said. Moses shook his head and smirked. He thanked Aaron and Miriam for being so concerned about him, but told them to go to bed. He would worry about this tomorrow. After all, tomorrow is another day. Miriam didn't understand how Moses could be so calm about this, but she listened to her brother's advice and tried to get some sleep, her stomach grumbling loudly as she curled up on the desert floor. The next morning, the people awoke and grabbed their pitchforks. A low hum of, kill the beast, began to break out as the mob made its way to Moses' castle, uh, I mean tent. They had had it with this false prophet. They were going to kill Moses and turn back to Egypt. Aaron, of course, would die too, and didn't they have a sister somewhere? 
Oh, well, not like a woman could do much anyways. As one man raised his sickle above his head, he started screaming, hoping to really get the crowd going. A hype man, if you will. Who do we want? He screamed. Moses, the crowd responded. How do we want him? Dead! The chant began. What do we Ouch, the man said. He looked up at the sky and rubbed his head. Something, it just hit him. He looked around to see who had thrown something, but everyone looked just as confused as he was. Then the man looked down. It was a small, hard piece of bread? He bent down and picked it up, smelling it and pinching it with his fingers suspiciously. Suddenly, there were more cries of pain as the tiny pellets of bread began to fall from the sky. The crowd cowered and eventually began scooping up the bits of bread. One woman took the first bite, and the crowd watched. She didn't die, so they knew it wasn't poison. The bread began coming down faster now, and I just imagine a chorus erupting in song, singing, It's raining bread, hallelujah, it's raining bread. Soon, the mob dropped their sickles and pitchforks and grabbed baskets and bags. Half of the people stood with their mouths open trying to catch the bread directly from the sky and ended up with black eyes, while the other half hunched down scooping it off the dirt by the handful. Before long, the entire ground was covered in the bread, which they officially called manna. Manna, just so you know, translates to substance exuded by the tamarisk tree. Please do not ask me how this relates to bread falling from the sky, but that's what it means. The Hebrews had their fill and all but forgot the blood quest they had originally sent out on on that morning. They all went to bed with full bellies. This little miracle had bought Moses an extra day. They'd just kill him tomorrow and go back to Egypt then. Tomorrow came, and everyone grabbed their pitchforks again. And again, manna fell from heaven. After a few days, the Israelites learned that this falling bread thing would be a regular event. Maybe this guy Moses wasn't so bad. Maybe he would lead them to the promised land after all. Years passed, and each day the manna fell from heaven. But, like children on a long road trip, the Hebrews soon found something else to complain about. All that free bread from heaven had made them really thirsty, and they were still in a desert, so there was no water for miles. The people began to complain, and again wished they were back in Egypt, and again wanted to kill Moses. Miriam returned to Moses in the night, just as she had done years earlier, and once again Aaron seemed worried. He stroked his dark and now more gray beard while they waited for Moses, who was off praying again. Moses walked in. I know, I know, he said. They still want to go back to Egypt, and they still want to kill me. Miriam explained that they had been wandering in this desert for a decade now, and they were no closer to the promised land than when they started out. Maybe you should just ask for directions, she said. Moses laughed. Don't be silly. I don't need to ask for directions. I know exactly where we are. Miriam rolled her eyes. Well, I hope you know how to make water fall from the sky, a.k.a. rain, like you do bread, because the people are thirsty and tired and sick of the sand being stuck in their toes. Present company included, she said, crossing her arms. Aaron nodded. Mm, she's got a point there. 
Moses rolled his eyes and told them both to go back to their tents and get some sleep. He would think about it tomorrow. After all, tomorrow is... you get the idea. The next morning, as the mob proceeded towards Moses' tent, they found him waiting outside. His staff gripped in his right hand. They all froze at the sight of the man with his staff of power. As an aside, I know I've mentioned Moses' staff a few times, and we will talk a lot about it, but you should know this is no ordinary walking stick. Think of it as Gandalf's staff, but instead of him not letting someone pass, he's parting a big body of water and doing other really neat stuff we'll talk about later. Anyways. Moses walked past the mob, who was still frozen half in fear and half in shock at the man's brazen demeanor. He walked slowly to the top of a hill that overlooked the camp. Aaron followed and stood beside him. Moses bent down close to a large boulder that jutted out from the hill and seemed to be... speaking to it? The people looked at each other confused. Moses stood and raised the staff above his head, full Thor style, and with one swift motion slammed the wood down onto the rock. It clashed like thunder as it struck, and as he lifted the staff, a flood of water began pouring out from the rock. The crowd all cheered and dropped to their stones and weapons. Once again, Moses and the Israelites had escaped death. Moses shook his head from the hilltop as he watched the waterfall pour down into the sand. The people scooped and lapped at the water like animals. What am I going to do with these lawless people, he said, looking up at the sky. The sky responded. You're going to give them a law to live by, God said. The next day, the people gathered their belongings, shoving manna and water into their satchels. They were on their way to a place called Sinai, and God had something important in store for them there. So important, it would change the course of the world forever. And that's where we're going to leave Moses, Aaron, Miriam, and a couple thousand more Jews for now. If you know what they're about to come to at Mount Sinai, good for you. If you don't, stick around because I'm going to leave it as a cliffhanger. Don't Google it. Um, Again, this is just a disclaimer. I am not in any way a biblical authority. I know that this is not uh, to the T accurate storytelling, but my goal is to make these stories entertaining and something that you can listen to with uh, friends and loved ones and even children at most times. And I hope that you really enjoyed it. If you have any questions, please contact me at BibleBabblePodcast.Weebly.com. And yeah, tune in next week to find out what happens to Moses and the Israelites. I'm Casey Martin, and may the Lord bless and keep you.